We are so glad you're with us today. And uh, this morning, we're going to be continuing our, our series on 2020 vision. If you were here the first week, we talked about how that uh, the title was, I Want to See. How many know that we all want, ought to want to see God's vision? We all ought to want to see his purpose and his direction and those kind of things. And then last week, we talked about seeing the enemy. How do we know that we have a very real enemy that wants to kill, steal, and destroy and we need to see him. We need to see what his, what his tactics are. We need to know what to look for and stand up to those. Well, today I'm going to be talking about what I'm calling activation. How many know that there are things in life that has a whole lot of potential, but it has to be activated? Now, I know this has a lot, has a lot of potential for abuse, how many know that when you get that new credit card in the mail, you have to activate it before you can do anything with it, right? Now, I'll never forget years ago, I, I've got a, uh, it's almost almost five years ago, I've got a Surface Pro 3 that I ordered, and I was so excited because I was thinking, you know what, I needed a, a new computer instead of getting a desktop. I mean, here's one that had the, the horsepower of a desktop, but it was in this thin little tablet with a pen and all the stuff that comes with it. And I'll never forget when it finally arrived. You ever had something you've been anticipating for a while? And if you're not a computer nerd, I understand, but just bear with me for a moment. But it arrived, and I mean, it comes in this, it came in this box, and it was, I mean, it was so packaged, so, in such a cool fashion. I mean, everything about it just, just was sharp and, and laid out, and I opened the box up, and there was all the pieces and all the things, and everything was just the way it was packaged. It's like, this is cool. And it had all this potential. The reason I wanted it, because it was, it would function like a desktop, but I could carry it with me wherever I went. If I went to a meeting, I could take notes right there. If I had a document I needed to sign, I could take a little pen and sign it on the screen. It had all this capability right there. But the, the amazing thing was, if it had stayed in the box, if I'd have just stood there and looked at it, if I had never activated it, all that would be was just potential. This morning, what I want you to understand is really vision is the same way. Proverbs 29, 18 says this, where there is vision... No vision, the people perish. See, there's something about vision. There's something about seeing where you're going and what's coming and and where you're supposed to go. Vision is clearly seeing what God desires. How many know that God has a plan for your life? How many know that God has a plan for the church? And if we're going to step in that, we need to grasp that vision. We need to clearly see what it is. And once that vision arrives, once we can see it, we must activate that vision. I want you to listen to me closely this morning. Vision without action is a daydream. Action without vision is a nightmare. Think about that for a moment. Daydreams. How many of you have had daydreams? Seems like when you're younger, you have a few more daydreams. 
I'll never forget when I was younger, I, I used to have daydreams, and, and, and some of you would, can understand this, but, but I've always loved music, and, and while I never was that great in my, my kids are way more, and wife are my, way more talented in that area than I am, but I used to, I used to at night when I was a teenager, listen, I, I know this is going to date me, but I had the uh, Sony Walkman little tape player with the headphones. And I would lay at night in bed sometimes, and I'd listen to some of my favorite bands, and I'd be playing that. And I used to dream, daydream, nightdream, whatever you call it, I used to dream that I would be one of the lead guitarists for one of those bands, and I could really cut loose. So I decided to take some lessons. And I did it for a little bit. I, I, learned, I learned how to play a couple of songs and some basic chords. And, and I could do John Denver's Country Roads. Literally the first song that I learned. But I didn't stick with it. So that dream was never activated. So all that ever remained was a daydream. Time went by. I used to daydream about being a, a hero. I used to daydream about being a black belt. Being in a situation where I could jump in and save the day in some circumstance. Took lessons for a little bit. Had a guy that was renting a house for my parents that I got to know, developed a pretty good friendship, and he was really, really good. And so he was doing some stuff that was just privately teaching me. And, and uh, I really, I actually did get to the place where I could do a roundhouse kick head high. And so we would spar a little bit with gloves on and stuff. And, and he used to always tell me, oh, man, come at, come at me. Don't, don't hold back because you're not going to hurt me. And one day we were messing around and 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 I went to throw a little just a little front kick and he caught it and I thought I am in trouble and so I jumped up and did a roundhouse and I nailed him for the first time right on the jaw <laughs> to look in his face I thought oh lord I'm dead <laughs> he was kind but the point being, I didn't stick with that either. So those were dreams. Those were visions, you might say, that were never became more than daydreams. Because it, a vision that is not followed by actions, that's not activated, is just a daydream. It'll just sit there forever. And then there's actions without vision or, or a purpose, you know, think about this. Today's the NFL playoffs, right? And so you got these teams that are lining up. Now, they've been working. They've been planning. They, they've dreamed of going to the Super Bowl. Now, can you imagine if one of them shows up today and the other team, I mean, they've been preparing. They've got their plays down. And the other one shows up and they huddle up and they said, you know what? We don't have a plan today. We're just going to have a lot of action. So you guys block you guys go out, and I'll see who I can hit. The game is not going to last very long until it's over. Because action without vision and direction is a nightmare. And so I want you to keep that thought in the back of your mind today. 
Because a church without a vision is a is a church that can there's that can do all kinds of things. There's lots of actions that we can take. How many know there's lots of things? People come to me all the time and they'll say, you know, wouldn't it be great if we did this? Wouldn't it be great? How many know there's all kinds of things that can be done that are good things and not necessarily bad things by themselves, but we can't do all the things there has to be a, a vision. There has to be a focus. There has to be a direction. <clears throat> I had a guy one time make a statement. And it just sunk into me that I was like, this is so true and so right. He said, you know, have you ever seen one of those restaurants that has everything? You can walk in, and it's got the big buffet. And, I mean, you can have Mexican food, Chinese food, pizza, fried chicken. I mean, it's, it's Italian food. It's all there. You ever notice that those places, though, don't do any of it well? There is something about when you have a vision and you know what you're supposed to be and you know what you're supposed to do and you know the direction that you're supposed to go that is powerful. God has a vision for your life. God has a purpose for your life. God has a vision and a purpose for us collectively as a church to move forward and accomplish some things. But if that vision just sitting out there and we don't put any action to the vision, if we don't marry those two things right, then all it is is just a daydream. You understand what I'm saying this morning? That God gives us vision. God gives us direction. But when when our when our vision and our action align, incredibly powerful things happen. Let's look at James 2, 14 through 17, which is really kind of my text this morning. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith and does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, Without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, as it does not have works, is dead. If we're going to have a vision, if we're going to have a direction, we have to put action to it. God's visions must be activated by works. See, God has a vision for this church. And how many know that there's, that there's God-sized visions? And a God-sized vision is bigger than any one of us. A God-sized vision isn't just bigger than any one of us. A God-sized vision is a generational vision. If we ever get caught up to the point that we think it's all about us and we're not looking for the next generation and making sure they have what they need and that they're raised up, we're missing the point. Because a God-sized vision is bigger than us and it reaches multiple generations. Because what God wants to accomplish is greater than any one of us or any one generation. We must see it and we must act on it. So there's some characteristics I want us to look at this morning about a God-sized vision and what kind of action is needed to activate it. Because it would be no good to talk about activating a vision if we don't talk about how we do that. And there's some things that I pulled out this morning that I really believe are key to activating a God-sized vision. Number one is risk is required. No risk it, no biscuit. 
How many know that in, in, in all through Scripture, when God called upon somebody to do something, when he gave them a vision, when he gave them a direction to go, there was always some risk involved. There was always something they were asked to do that was beyond them. There was always something, in a sense, that would cause them to step out on a limb. I had this picture. You know how I see God's vision? When God calls us to do something, most of the time it really is, okay, see that limb? Walk out there on it. Now turn around towards the tree trunk with that limb is connected to the tree and cut it off between you and the tree trunk you get the picture God does that again and again he causes us he desires for us to take steps of faith he causes us to risk some things where we are totally dependent upon him that it's not logical it doesn't make sense And he, but he desires for us to, to do that and to follow him. How many know that he's, his plans don't make sense? When God told Gideon to go attack the, the army that they were facing and said, you know, hey, you got too many men, just take 300 men, that doesn't make sense. But we see those things all through Scripture. Risk is required. <coughs> Think about the children of Israel. God set them free. He, through miraculous means, he, he removed them from Egypt and he took them out and he got them out and he set them free and, and he told them that they were headed for the promised land. And they got to the edge of the promised land and as they were standing there looking at the promised land, all of a sudden they realized that there was a little bit of risk involved in going in and possessing the land that God had given them. It looked a little more than they wanted to do. They weren't willing to take the risk and they ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Later on, they went back, and they were able to cross over, but, but they didn't, still didn't do everything they were supposed to, and they fought battles they shouldn't have had to fight. Matter of fact, we see that they even reached the place where they said, Lord, we don't want you to be our king. We want a king, not the king. And so God gave them what they asked for. He gave them a human king. And because of that, they fought battles after battles. See, what a God-sized vision looks like is that it requires some risk. It causes us the need to move and to do some things. So I thought about that. I thought about King Saul and all that. My mind went to David and Goliath, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I mean, think about that story. Here's a young man. That the day comes that his father tells him, here, take some food to your brothers that are on the front lines. And he shows up where the battle lines are drawn. And then while he's there, he sees this big giant of a man named Goliath stepping out and challenging the army on the other side. They literally would line up against each other, across from each other, and, and Goliath would walk out there and he'd say, hey, no sense in all of us, I'm paraphrasing here, but no sense in all of us fighting. You send out your best man. If he beats me, we'll be your slaves. If I beat him, you guys be our slaves. And, but the problem is, 
nobody in the kingdom of Israel was willing to take the risk to go out there and face him. Until little David shows up with the lunch for his brothers. And scripture tells us that as he arrived and he looks and, and Goliath steps out and, and does this challenge that he had done, literally scripture says that they've been doing this for 40 days. I think we've all probably seen enough movies where you see the armies during that time line up across each other. And they're trying to intimidate one another. Matter of fact, it even talks about them lining up across each other with their battle cries. And so he steps out there. And Goliath makes that challenge. And David looks around and he hears and he sees this. And he's, and he's seeing nobody willing to take the risk. And I love what he says. He says, basically, who is this guy? He can't talk about our God like that. And he goes to the king. He says, I'll do it. Listen to this, 1 Samuel 17, 33. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. Don't risk it. You'll never make it. Now think about this. <coughs> David is standing there, and for 40 days they've been doing this challenge back and forth where they line up across from each other. Now I imagine, you know, the first couple of times both sides were yelling out and, and flexing their muscles and trying to intimidate the other side and beating on their shields and all that stuff. But I imagine after about the 40th day on the Israelite side, lining up, Goliath steps out there, Goliath issues the challenge, and nobody wants to make eye contact, nobody wants to be singled out, everybody's kind of cowering. I don't think that the Israeli army was being too intimidating. After 40 days, I kind of see them... I mean, I just picture the Philistines, Goliath and them, and they're, and they're yelling and they're flexing their muscles and they're doing all the things that, that they do to intimidate. And, and I almost picture in my mind some of the Israelites saying, well, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. <laughs> oh, they're going to break our bones. But David steps out. Matter of fact, I love what David says to King Saul. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. David steps out there. Now, if you know the story, you know he didn't, he said, I'm not wearing the armor, and he got his five moose stones in his sling and he stepped out there to face the Goliath and Goliath begins to hurl insults at him and telling him what, what, uh, what he's going to do to this young man but I love David's response to Goliath and if this doesn't fire you up I don't know what we can do for you let's read it Verse 45 and 46, Then David said to the Philistine, 
You come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. The day of the Lord, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, and that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Now, can you imagine seeing that? This huge mountain of man, Goliath, and you've got this young shepherd boy out there, and he is just staring him down, and he's giving him what for? And declaring, oh, no, no, you don't understand what I'm about to do to you. (laughs) See, not only did he have a vision of what could be done, he was willing to take the risk to make it happen. And I, my, one of my favorite lines in that whole passage where it says, David ran to the battle. David didn't just get lucky by the hand of God. Nowhere do we see that he took that sling and he began to sling it around and he just kind of covered his eyes and let it go. What we see is that he called out exactly what he was going to do to the enemy, and he charged him. I mean, can you imagine what that must look like, this little guy running towards the giant? Can you imagine what it must have looked like to the Philistines all of a sudden to see their, their champion drop like a sack of potatoes? And every single thing that David said came about. All because he believed what God said. Why would so many Bible heroes risk so much? Well, David gives us a clue. Because in David's life, God had a proven track record. What did he tell Saul? Oh, this will be no different. God delivered me from the paw of a lion. He delivered me from the paw of a bear. This Philistine will be no different. Why is it sometimes when God gives us vision and gives us direction, though, we're not willing to step out and risk when we probably in your own life have the same kind of track record where you've seen God come through again and again and again? And it's not just the track record, but I love that that, that God had a powerful plan despite all odds, and he has it for your life. And here's the best part. David learned in this time of being a shepherd boy out there with the sheep, playing and worshiping, he learned that God was also his friend. And if we can get those things in our hearts and our minds, then we can realize that we can press forward, that it is worth taking the risk when God calls upon us to risk something. Because vision without action is a daydream. Action without vision is a nightmare. But not only is there risk associated with a God-sized vision, but there's sacrifice that is necessary. It takes some blood, sweat, and tears. There's a necessary sacrifice that we have to bring. (coughs) It's going to cost you something. You must be invested. But what is the return? 
Have any of you ever really sacrificed something for God that he didn't come through and there wasn't a return in your sacrifice? He's faithful in that. He follows through in that. And so many times, and we're all guilty of it. I mean, it's funny how that so many times we can learn that lesson over and over and over. And the next time we're called upon to sacrifice, there is still a little bit of that hesitation. Several years back, we were raising some funds to try to expand the building here and do some of the things that we've done. And and we called upon, we, we asked for, we said we were going to do a sacrifice Sunday. And we gave people warning. We asked people to, to prepare ahead and to really, on that particular Sunday, to sacrifice. To bring something. And it can, you know, for different people, that's a different mouth, but to do something that was a sacrifice. And I'll never forget... We had some money, and, and I, I promise you, I'm the type that I'm not going to expect you guys to do something I'm not willing to do. And so we had a little bit of money. We needed, a, we needed a vehicle. And we had a little bit of money set aside for that. And we felt like the Lord said to give that, and that was our sacrifice. So we did. And obviously, the building was expanded, and we got some of these things done, and God was faithful. But you know what's so cool? It was a short time later, we were invited to lunch. We were sitting across the table from another couple. And we're just just hanging out. All of a sudden, the husband reaches in his pocket and sits a set of keys on the table in front of us. He says, see that car out there? That's yours. See, we made the sacrifice, but God gave us back what we sacrificed. Kind of reminds me of another story in the Bible. A guy by the name of Abraham that had dreamed and dreamed and dreamed of a son. God promised him a son. God promised him that he would be the, the father of nations. And then God one day gives him some instruction when, when his son's born. I mean, you can imagine being as old as he was and God finally come through and Sarah being 90 years old becomes pregnant and they have this child and this dream had finally happened. God had come through and he has his baby Isaac and then all of a sudden it tells us in Genesis 22-2, it says, Then God said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there is a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Now, can you imagine being told to sacrifice your son, to sacrifice the promise? And he was willing to sacrifice his greatest treasure. Now, I don't know about you, that's, that's one of those stories I'm like, Lord, that's, that's a hard one. 
But we get a little bit of insight in Hebrews chapter 11. If you haven't, if you haven't read it, Hebrews chapter 11 is what I call the hall of faith. It lays out all these people that did these amazing things by faith. And, and Abraham is, was so big in that area that he's in there listed in there like three times. And, but it says this. 11.19 says, He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. How is Abraham able to even contemplate doing that? Because he figured, if God's calling me to do this, and this is my promised son, he's going to work it out, even if he has to raise him from the dead. But he didn't have to. God stopped his hand. God provided the sacrifice. <coughs> but a God-sized vision gets accomplished, can never get accomplished without sacrifice. Sacrifice requires you to love. You will sacrifice for something that you love. If you love your family, you will sacrifice for your family. But you will not sacrifice something that you love more than what God's calls you to sacrifice for. What if you've got something in your life that you love more than God and God calls you to sacrifice that? You won't do it. But a vision requires sacrifice. Abraham did it and God performed a miracle there and he did become the nation that God called him to be. There's another thing we need to do. We need to be willing for a God-sized vision to release resources. You have enough. Often God lets us see his vision for our lives and for the church. And we look at it and and many times we say, that's so incredible. How many of you ever had God kind of just show you something? You You see in a moment, you see the possibility of what could take place and what could be. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, there are times that I'm with the Lord that I, that I can almost clearly see what he could do with this church. And there's times it seems so impossible. And so many times we, we see the vision, we see what needs to be done. I'll give you an example. We got a bid this week to uh, redo the asphalt part of the parking lot. I choked when I saw the bid. (laughs) It seems impossible. But then I realized with God, it's not impossible. With God, when He calls something to be done, what you have is enough. I think we're all familiar with the story, but Proverbs 3 9 says this Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. How many know that if we put God first? You know, one of the things that you probably can get in trouble far quicker than anything is if you start preaching on tithing. People struggle with that. And I understand there have been all kinds of people that have abused those things, that, that have turned, turned true biblical principles into some kind of money-grabbing scheme. I understand that. 
But let me tell you that the, that the whole idea of the first fruits is a real thing. It's something that we practice. And I'm telling you, God honors that. Your stuff lasts longer. It's true. I mean, matter of fact, a couple of years back, some of the guys remember we actually did what we called the tithe challenge. That if people would try it for six weeks, if you didn't see God's hand in your finances after the six weeks, we would give you your money back. It's pretty bold, isn't it? Guess what? We didn't have a single person come and ask for their money back. Because we saw people getting promotions and bonuses and all these things happen. You see, I understand those things are abused. But I'm telling you, the principle is real. God provides again and again. I know, when we, man, when we were much younger and, and more good looking. And we were in that place, we were just barely getting by. One of the things we learned was the importance of tithing. You know what was amazing? We had things like washer and dryer that lasted forever without breaking down. We had God provided again and again and again. And I'm just telling you that what you have is enough. God is faithful, and he wants to fulfill the vision that we should. How many know that we all should participate in the vision? with our resources. But what happens so many times? We, we, we get in a situation where we see the need is so big, kind of like the parking lot. I'll throw out a number. We got a bid for $45,000. Now you see why I choked. But you know what? What we have is enough. And what I mean by that is a story we're all familiar with. Remember when Jesus was in the out and he was speaking and there were all these people there and he, it was too late to send them someplace to get food and he had them all sit down. Matter of fact, we went to Israel. We were on the Sea of Galilee. We saw, they pointed out the place where that took place. Kind of one of those cool moments. And he tells them, he says, you feed them. <laughs> a month's wages wouldn't even touch this, they said. And a little boy walked up with five loaves and two fishes. The way I see it, he was the only one that had an offering to contribute towards what needed to be done. And what he had wasn't enough. Matter of fact, it wasn't even enough to put a dent in it. I mean, it was enough for everybody to get a sniff. Right? But yet when he put it in Jesus' hands, and he blessed it, and he multiplied it, and it was more than enough. What did he say? 
Mark 6, 41. And taking the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and he said, a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and set before the people. And he divided the two, the two fish among them all. <coughs> Don't tell me that's not a miracle. But the cool thing is, not only was there enough, there was a blessing of plenty left over. Scripture tells us that they collected 12 baskets full after everybody had been fed. Now I realize we can look at it and say there's one for each of the main 12 disciples, but whether this is accurate or not, I don't know, but I just, I just picture my mind the little boy walking home to mom and dad with a basket. Mom, you're not going to believe what happened today. Remember that five loaves and two fishes? Here's the leftovers. See, with God, what we have is enough. If we will commit it to him, he will multiply it. He will provide. So we have to walk in that. We have to trust. Because (laughs) vision without action is a daydream. Action without vision is a nightmare. In closing, my last thought is this. Lives committed. See, God has a vision for us as a church. He's got a vision for you as individuals. And we need to activate those visions. And some are called to participate. But how many know there's some that are called to give it all? It was years ago that God called me into full-time ministry. And it was was something that I wrestled with a little bit, to be honest. First of all, in my mind, people that God called into full-time ministry was up here, and I was down here somewhere. How many know that God has a way of making you what he desires you to be if you'll just trust him? So we made the commitment. But when God gives a vision, there are those that participate and there are those that he calls to jump in with both feet and to give their lives to the cause. Romans 12.1 says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship see we're all required to give some but some are required to give all so what is this thing that we're talking about we're talking about a vision I know that it can be this thing that's out there that was kind of undefined but a vision is really a, a, a mental picture of God's desired future And we have those moments that we see what it looks like. 
And in that moment, we say, you know what? It, it can happen. It can be a reality. But it's going to require risk. It's going to require sacrifice. It's going to require giving what you have and releasing of resources. But a God-sized vision is so worth it. But what about this thing of vision? See, a vision, a godly vision is right for the times. God doesn't mess up. And it's right for us as people. He knows what we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to be doing, where we're at. A godly vision promotes promotes faith rather than fear. A godly vision motivates people into action. A godly vision requires risk-taking. It requires a godly vision glorifies God. It doesn't glorify people. So what are the what are the benefits of a vision? Or you might say, what's in it for me? Well, God-sized vision gives us stability because all of a sudden the answer is very clear of why we are here. A God-sized vision keeps us all on the same page. Not only do we know why we're here, we know where we're going. It increases our faith because we know who's leading us. He's leading us. It gives us excitement for the future because now we know what we're supposed to become. Two years ago, we redefined our vision for the church and and we see it in things and but I want to remind you, we boiled it down to four statements. We said we want to be a place where people encounter God. How many know that we ought to be that place where people walk in, they say, God is there. But we also need to be a place that embraces people. Because people walk in with their stuff, their junk, their things. None of us are perfect. And when people come in and they've got their life difficulties, we need to love them and embrace them where they're at. Be that support and help them get from where they're at to where they need to be in a loving way. And we need to experience serving. You know, when we first unveiled this, had a couple of people say, well, we could just leave it as encounter God and embrace people. Everything falls under their cat, those two categories, and I understand that. But you know what? I think these, these last two are ones that we need to emphasize because people don't always think of these. We need to experience serving. There is something about when you stand shoulder to shoulder with somebody else and you serve the kingdom in some capacity that is just life-changing. I mean, I was talking this morning. I guess it's been three years ago now. We went on a missions trip to Cuba. And there was just something about, even though it was hard work, it was sweaty, it was, I mean, there was, there was fun moments, but it wasn't exactly just fun. But you know what? There was a bond 
that took place from working side by side with those people that can't be replaced any other way. There is something about when we experience serving the Lord together, when we find that place to plug into and to stand shoulder to shoulder, doing the work of the Lord together, there is a reward in that that you can't find anyplace else. Not to mention, how great is it when when you've been a part of something that you get to watch somebody come to find relationship with Christ because you were involved in that particular endeavor? Which leads to the last one, engage the lost. We've got to get our eyes back on the lost. There's a temptation in this day and time for us to circle the wagons and hold on till Jesus comes. But I think God intended for us, for us to go on the offensive. <laughs> what could be accomplished if we all put vision into action? So I did something. What if we should stood shoulder to shoulder like we talked about last week? What if instead of just backing down and and because everywhere we look it looks like the enemy's got the advantage it looks like this world is headed in the wrong direction in so many ways with but what would happen if some people stood up and kind of took a little bit of a clue from david so i kind of took what david said to goliath and i kind of rewrote it a little bit what if we stood up together and grasped the vision of what God has for us as individuals in the church. And we looked at the enemy that is out to kill, steal, and destroy. And we bowed up. And instead of being intimidated, we said, you come to us with your weapons of evil, but we come against you in the name of the Lord of the armies of heaven whom you stand against. The day... This day, the Lord will deliver you into our hands, and we will strike down your strongholds. That the people of this church and this community will know that there is a God who fights on their behalf. That there is a better way of life. And today, we declare your vision and for, for this church and for our lives to be activated. At some point, we've got to rise up. At some point, we've got to say, you know, it's, it's enough to have a vision. It's enough to have a dream out there. But that if, if we're not doing anything to bring it about, it's just a daydream. We're just sitting there. Boy, it'd be great someday if that happened. I pray that one of these days, the parking lot ferry shows up and lays the asphalt for us. It'd be great if people came in and gave their lives to Christ. I hope that happens someday. Well, guys, as a people, we have to reach the place that we say, you know what? Let's put some action to these visions. Let's rise up and be what we're supposed to be. Because you know what? I bet, I bet there's some of you that somewhere along the way, God gave you a vision. 
that he spoke to you and you saw it. But there's been no action put to it. And it's just sitting out there as a daydream. Maybe it's time you rise up and activate that vision and step into what God's called you to do. Maybe some of you, it's not just the idea of of being a part of something, but maybe there are some of you here that God gave a call on your life. And through circumstances, you've let that just sit out there. And you've done nothing with it. It's time to activate those visions. Because if you wait and wait, it'll just be a daydream. I don't know you, I don't want it to be a daydream. I want it to be a reality. So I challenge you. I want to wait for just a moment to bow your heads for just a moment. I know I've gone a little long. I don't know if perhaps there's some of you here who say, you know what? <coughs> God did give me a vision. God did give me some direction. God did do some things to, to call me in a direction, and I've just been sitting there not doing anything with it. And I acknowledge that today. Would you raise your hand? Amen. Amen. Let's put those things into action. Lord, I pray for those that raise their hand. Lord, I pray for all of us today. Lord, let us be a people that rise up. Lord, you've called us to do so much more. Lord, we just need to be willing to take some risk. We need to be willing, Lord, to to sacrifice some things and do what we need to do to do what you've called us to be because, Lord, you are the God that backs up your word. You're the God that performs miracles on our behalf, and if we will step out and be what we're supposed to be, you will do that work in us. And, Lord, I ask you to do that. Lord, I ask tonight, today, Lord, that we would activate some of those visions. And Lord, that you would have your will. Way with us. But we need to move forward. And Lord, all the resources that we need are in this building or they are on the way. Lord, let us not let what we see with our eyes hold us back from what you desire to do in us and through us. Lord, let us grab hold of it. Let us activate the potential that you have for us. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. God bless you guys.